Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. You know, the beginning of a, a new year is always a great time to pause and to reflect on your own life and to think about where have I come from, where am I going, where am I now? Uh, you know, time is moving and we all move through different stages and phases, uh, both chronologically, you move from being a child to becoming an adolescent, a teenager, and then you become a young adult and then an adult and then a senior. So we have chronological stages of life. We also have faith stages. Uh, some of you here today are seeking God. You're wondering, is there a God? And if he's real, can I know him? And so we have a seeking phase. And then some of you have chosen to believe in God and others are growing and maturing. We have different stages of faith. We have different seasons in our life. Uh, autumn, winter, summer. And uh, we talked last year about that and how seasons are marked by beginnings and endings and the challenge of navigating those transitions. And so uh, the main thing we realize is that time is moving on and your life is moving on. And that can be very exciting, very exhilarating. As you get a little older, it becomes a little bit sobering when you realize that life really is moving quite quickly. In fact, uh, you may have heard this illustration before of if you could look at your life as a single day, and let's imagine you live to the age of 80. If you're over the 80, then you're above average, so just stay with me. Uh, the average male in Australia lives to 76 years of age. The average female lives to 83. I don't know why women get a few extra years, but uh, we're all above average, so don't worry about those stats. But if you imagine your life as an 80-year period of time and looking at it through a day from 6 a.m. through to midnight, I wonder what time it is for your life right now. If you're 15 here this morning, it's 9.22 in the morning, time to get up and at it. All the parents said amen. If you are 20 here today, it's 10.30 in the morning and the day is well underway. If it's 30, if you're 30 years of age today, it's 12.45 in the afternoon. The afternoon is well underway. If you're 40 today, it's 3 p.m., in the day of your life. If you're 50, it's 5.15 and the sun is about to set. <laughs> of course, in Australia, we get daylight savings time, so <laughs> don't stress about that. Me at 54, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. If you're 60 here this morning, then it's 7.30 p.m. in the day of your life and the evening hours are beginning. Uh, if you're 70, it's 9.45 p.m. and it's getting a little late. If you're 80, it's midnight. And if you're over 80, don't leave, you're into time on. Now, uh, I shared that with the seniors last year at a meeting, and I think I depressed them all, so I'm going to go back and give a message on depression a, a little later this year. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a good exercise just to go, what time is it for you? In fact, Moses, who lived to 120, just to give you a little bit of inspiration there, in Psalms 90, he says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, but they quickly pass and they fly away. And he goes on to say, teach us to number our days 
so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The good news is more people today are living till over 100 than at any time in history. Uh, it's a huge study, the uh, area of centenarians. And the United Nations estimates that right now there's 316,600 people who are over 100 in the world. In fact, a study recently in the UK said that one third of babies born in the UK in 2013 will live till over 100. So people are living longer. In fact, the new field of study is the area of supercentarians, people 110 or over. Uh, in fact, there's a record of 39 people who've lived to 115. Three of them are still alive today. I read an article this week. Uh, what are some of the keys to living long enough to blow out 100 candles? Someone yelled out last night, you've got to be there. That, that, def that definitely helps to be there if you're going to blow them out. But uh, this article talked about as they'd studied these blue zones around the planet of people living over 100, what are some of the qualities, some of the characteristics? And, and here was the list. Close family ties and a caring community. Being a part of community. Secondly, eating healthy food. In fact, 50,000 of the centenarians live in Japan. So if you're going out to lunch today, sushi... Uh, fish is probably a good choice. Your food, your diet does make a big impact. No smoking, limited or no alcohol, exercise, keeping active, having a purpose beyond yourself. Uh, and for many, having a deep sense of faith and spirituality. So hopefully that's an encouragement to you today. Well, as we talk about your life, I want to turn to a, uh, a couple of verses in Hebrews 12. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me or have a listen as I read them or follow along on the screen. We're going to read Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 3 as we think about our lives today. Therefore, the author says, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. This year, as we begin a new year, I wonder whether a new perspective on your life may be helpful today. The author here uses an image, a metaphor of a race. And he says, your life is like a race. And as you run your race, throw aside anything that might hinder or slow you down. Understand it's a long race. It's going to require endurance or perseverance. Keep your eyes on the goal, but also on Jesus. Jesus is the source of our faith and the source of our strength as we're running our race. And so I, I want to share this uh, with you today. I, I did a little devotion with the staff back in December, and I felt as I was praying this week that this might be something helpful for all of us as a church community. And so a simple question this morning, uh, how is your race going? If we had time to sit down and interview you, how is your race going? You know, for some of you, you might immediately say, I'm going strong. I'm going strong. You know, there's times in our life where family's going well, work's going well, church is going great, ministry's happening for us, everything's clear, you've got a focus, you're passionate, you've got a sense of progress and meaning in your life. And if you're here today and that's 
how you're going in your race, that is a wonderful place to be. And uh, I want to encourage you. It doesn't mean it's all easy, but you have a sense of peace and joy. And so be encouraged today. All of heaven is cheering you on. We're cheering you on. If you're going strong, well done. Don't leave the meeting because there's other things to talk about. But if you're going strong, that is fantastic. And uh, we're really pleased that that's how your race is going. You know, maybe some of you would say, <laughs> going strong. No, that's probably not where I'm at. Uh, maybe some of you here today, if you're honest, you'd say, I'm slowing down. I'm slowing down in my race. And there's a, there's a number of reasons why you might slow down in the race of life. Uh, sometimes it's because we're just tired. We're, we're fatigued. And maybe you're here today and you've just come through a really busy patch. You've been working hard. Maybe life's felt like climbing a really steep hill. You've been working long hours. You've been running fast and maybe a little long. And, and you just feel exhausted. And when you're exhausted, it's hard to go strong. You start to slow down a little. You need rest. You kind of need to have a really long drink to refuel for the next part of the journey. You know, God understands this. In fact, the way he designed the world was to have a rhythm, a balance of activity and then rest, work and then Sabbath or take time off. In fact, all of nature, all of creation is built around rhythm. Uh, the sun rises and then sets, as it were. Uh, we uh, see the tide go out and then the tide comes in. We breathe in and we breathe out. And we breathe in. Imagine if you breathed out all day. How many know it's not going to be a very good day? <laughs> if all you do is breathe out, you've got to breathe in and then breathe out. Uh, there's this rhythm of engagement and disengagement, activity res- and then rest. Uh, if we put your heart up to an ECG meter, it should have a, a rhythm like this. If your heart looks flat like this, it's not going to be a good year for you. <laughs> and so all of creation has this balance, this rhythm. And so sometimes when we've been going really hard, really, really hard, we're, we're tired and we're exhausted and we're slowing down in our race. It's, it's actually normal because we're needing to refuel. And that's why holidays are important. That's why a day off, that's why recreation is so very valuable. Uh, my wife, Nicole, turned 40 not long ago. She was glad I said that last night. Um, and a bunch of friends got together and bought her a really nice coffee machine. And so uh, we do a lot of entertaining at our house. And so the coffee machine's always going. Uh, even at home uh, yesterday, I was making coffee for Nicole, myself, and her dad, who lives with us. And uh, it's a great machine. But every now and then, a little sign comes up that says, fill the water tank. Because there's water at the back, and when it gets low, it won't make a coffee. And no one wants to get the fill the water tank, because you're in a hurry to make your coffee. But when you get the fill the water tank, unless you go and get the jug and put the water in, nothing works. You're not going to go further, because it's saying, I need some water. I need refueling. And so maybe for some of you today, you're in a fill the water tank moment. And we want to get going. We want to keep moving with our race. But... Unless we refuel, unless we rest, unless we recover, we won't be able to get back up to speed again. And so maybe you've slowed down because you're, you're tired and you're exhausted and you, you've got to do something about that. Uh, sometimes we slow down, not because we're tired, but because we're uncertain. Uh, we're, we're coming up to an intersection or maybe we're on a new road and we haven't been on this road before. And if you're a smart driver, when you're uncertain, you're not in fifth gear. 
hopefully you're not, you, you, you slow down because it's new and you need to go a little bit slow. And there's some of you here today, I've met a bunch of visitors this morning that have just arrived two weeks ago from South Africa or other places. You know, when you come to a new country or you come to a new job or you join a new church, you're not in fifth gear. You're not going strong. You're, you're actually slowing down because it's all unfamiliar. And so be patient with yourself. You just started a new job. You just got married. You just had a baby. I mean, this is all new. They're crying. You, you know, you don't know why. <laughs> Are they hungry? Are they tired? Do they need a little change? Uh, you know, it, it's all new. And so for some of you, maybe you're slowing down because it's a new season. It's a new beginning. There's uncertainty. And you just need to get your bearings before you can kind of speed up again. That's okay. Sometimes we slow down because we've lost passion. We've lost passion. And the slowing down is not because we're tired. It's not because we're uncertain, but we're actually cruising. We're just coasting. We're living, but kind of just going through the emotions, going through the motions. And, And our level of passion and excitement has diminished. And maybe we've lost vision. We've lost purpose. Maybe we've become a little bit disillusioned and It's so easy to become comfortable and complacent. Australia is just a blessed or lucky country, and it's just so easy to let apathy and indifference come. We just kind of cruise along, uh, just just kind of doing life, but without the passion. And so if if that's the case, the good news is God understands. But how many know God's a fire-lighting God? And so if you've lost a little passion, if that flame of enthusiasm's taken a hit, God can reignite that in you in just a moment. And I want to encourage you, don't stick on cruise control. Don't live below your potential. Find that fresh passion for this next season. So some of you may be going strong in your race. Some of you may have slowed down for various reasons. There'd be, there'd be some in the room today that if you were honest, you'd say, I think I've kind of stopped. <laughs> Sometimes we stop in our race. Uh, what are some things that would cause us to stop? One of them is, one of them is tragedy. You know, you don't have to live very long to realize that uh, we live in a fallen world, a broken world, where bad things happen to good people. And pain and hurt and tragedy t- touch everyone's life in one way or another. And we don't always know why. You know, Job is an example in the Bible. A good man, a godly man, done nothing wrong, and yet experienced these heartbreaking tragedies. And people looked on and thought, maybe you've sinned, maybe you don't have enough faith. And the truth is, he'd done nothing wrong. Life had just thrown him some tragic times. And when tragedy hits your life, <laughs> you can't just keep running at full speed. It literally, it literally causes you to stop. And uh, we, we almost freeze the frame of our life and we need time to recover and to grieve and to process uh, the tragedy that's happened. I, I can still remember the, the day I got a phone call in October 1990 from my dad in America and my mom had had a massive heart attack and eventually passed away. And it, you know, it just rocked our family, it rocked our world and it's like everything stopped for a period of time and it, It was very difficult. Yes, life kept going on, but it's like your race stops. And and many of you can identify with that today. Uh, Maybe a spouse has walked out on you. Maybe you just discovered you've been made redundant at your work. Maybe you've got a teenager and you've discovered they're, they're taking drugs. You know, often life throws things at us. And in those tragic moments, you, you, you just stop and you, it's like being gutted, so to speak, or winded. And it, 
It, it takes time to, to recover and get back into your race. Some of you may have heard on Friday there was a, a real tragic um, situation where a, a young man, actually the son of Danny Guglamucci, who's a pastor in Adelaide, a good friend of mine, his eldest son, Chris, was um, at a youth camp in Adelaide and he was hit by lightning and he died. And you just you hear that and it, it just rocks your world, yeah? Um, just so very, very sad. A tragedy like that, a loss of a young life, married to Lisa, four young children, and you just go, how, how can you recover from that? And uh, some of you can identify with those kinds of um, intense, painful moments in your life. And I think it'd be actually good if we pray right now for the family. Maybe we'll just pause and do that. Will you join me? Father, we pray for, for Danny and Sharon today. And well, we can't imagine the, the pain and the grief that they're work, w- walking through as they've lost their oldest son. And for Chris's wife, Lisa, and the children, God, we just thank you that you are a God who's not far off, but you're near us, and particularly when our heart is breaking. I pray for Pastor Tony as he's helping this youth group process all that's happened and lead the church community there in Adelaide and face the media. God, would you just pour in your grace. May it be more than enough for this tragedy that has happened. We ask you for that today in Jesus' name. And so sometimes we, we stop because of tragedy. Maybe, maybe that's where you are today. Uh, sometimes we stop because of failure. Um, we, we trip up for some reason. We, we take a tumble. We fall down. And if you've ever fallen down, it, it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. It's, it's shameful to, to, to fail. Um, I'm really thankful as, as I read my Bible that the Holy Spirit didn't just inspire all the stories of victory to be in there, and there's some great stories of victory, but the Bible includes stories of people's mistakes and failures. It's, it's a warts and all uh, narrative that we read. I, I think of David. David, a man after God's own heart. Wow, great stories. Big, you know, big Goliath, uh, uh, just a, an unbelievable leader. And yet David failed. David made some really stupid, dumb decisions. Uh, He ended up being partied to murder. He committed adultery. And then he rationalized and justifies his actions. He ended up in deception until he was confronted about his spiritual blindness. And uh, when he stopped making excuses and admitted his sin, he cried out to God in repentance and he was forgiven. He was forgiven. And yes, there were some consequences he had to live with, but he got up and kept finishing his race. In fact, in the book of Acts, it says David served his purpose in his generation. <laughs> it's a great story, but let's remember that he actually failed and he stopped. And if he would have stayed down, maybe he wouldn't have finished his race, but he was able to get up again and to keep running. We also have the story of Peter in the New Testament. Peter was a a pretty confident man. He made some declarations of uh, personal courage, uh, yet in the pressure of the moment, he failed. He denied Jesus three times, and the Bible tells us he went out and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. Can you hear the, the disappointment, the shame, the embarrassment? He did not live up to his good intentions. He made some promises, and he did not keep them. And yet Jesus reached out to him and forgave him and restored him. And he went on to be mightily used of God. I don't know about you, but that encourages me because I've tripped up. I've fallen. I've stumbled. I've made some mistakes. And I reckon we all have here. 
And sometimes that happens and it's like we stop. We have to deal with that. But there's a great proverb. Proverbs 24, 16 says, Though a righteous person falls seven times, they rise again. And success is not never failing. It's about getting up and continuing your race even after a failure rather than wallowing in self-pity and thinking our race is over. And so have you, have you failed? Have you stumbled? Have you made some mistakes? The good news is, is when we're down, God doesn't kick us. He doesn't whack us. He, he reaches out his hand to lift us up, to restore us, to get us running again. Um, and maybe some of you have stopped here today, not because of tragedy, not because of failure, but because of discouragement. Uh, discouragement is such a common emotion that we all face where life just gets too hard. Elijah is another example of someone who, who stopped for a while. He, he had some amazing victories. In fact, uh, he had this major encounter with prophets of Baal and God answered by fire. It's one of the most miraculous, supernatural stories in the Bible. How many know when you're at the height of victory, you're often your most vulnerable? Because right after that huge, spectacular miracle, right after that, uh, Elijah was not only exhausted, he slept for hours, he experienced a discouragement that came in to his emotional world that led to a deep depression and then suicidal thoughts where he literally wanted to die. <laughs> Come on, this is, this is Elijah, this is the prophet of God, this is the, the man uh, you know, who did amazing miracles and here he is from this high moment and now he's in this depth of despair where he literally does not want to live anymore and we see God come and meet him there an angel comes and feeds him and lets him sleep some more recovers himself physically and then God gives him a bit of a reality check because you know when you're discouraged your thinking is very distorted uh, Elijah in his low moment goes, I'm the only one who hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. There's only one. And God says, hey, hey Elijah, by the way, I've got 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. to Baal. Can you see that his perspective was out by 7,000 to one? And sometimes when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, everything distorts and we awfulize things and there's a whole bunch of other stuff we don't see. And so God had to come and encourage him and meet his physical needs, let him rest, let him refresh, but to renew his mind and thinking to say, hey, Elijah, you're not the only one. That's only part of the story. There's a bigger narrative. There's other stuff happening that you're not seeing that's really positive. And he had to rethink the way he was viewing the world and then God commissioned him he just gave him a couple of things to do and you know when you're really discouraged really depressed sometimes just taking a baby step just doing one thing two things is a way to come out from that cloud he says I want you to go and anoint this person just gave him a couple of tasks to do and Elijah although he stopped because of discouragement and depression and suicidal thoughts he was able to get up again and finish running his race and pass on a double mantle double portion of his mantle to Elijah it's a great story of someone like you and I human who stopped because of discouragement but who didn't stay stuck there at the side of the race. And so what about you? Going strong today? Slowing down? Maybe you've stopped because of tragedy or failure or discouragement. 
another possible response to the question, how is your race going, is maybe you're a little detoured. Sometimes in the journey of our life, we, we take a wrong turn. We go the wrong way and we, we end up getting lost. This happens to men more than women. We know that, don't we? <laughs> but men do not like to admit when we're lost. Men don't get lost. We discover alternative destinations. <laughs> the truth is we all make decisions that a little further down the track we go, hmm, maybe should have turned right instead of left. Maybe should have taken that road. Even Jesus said, there's a wide road. It looks really easy. But at the end, it ends in death. And sometimes we choose things based on what we feel looks good, sounds good. But after a little while, you go, hmm, I think I'm on the wrong road. Maybe you're feeling that today. It could be a job or a relationship you've just started or, or some habits you're getting into. And you just go, hmm, I don't think this is right. The good news is you don't have to stay on that road. You can actually turn. That's what the word repentance means. It means to turn and get back on the right road. We think of the story of the prodigal son. He's a young man, nice home, nice family, but he saw some bright lights in the city and friends were saying, come and do this. And so he left home for the bright lights of the city. He partied, he went for it. It all seemed good for a while until he ran out of money and ended up at the bottom of a pigsty. And he's thinking, probably didn't make a good choice. This road wasn't all it was cut out to be. It overpromised and underdelivered, as sin always does. Overpromised and underdelivered. But he didn't stay there. As he came to his senses, he says, I will arise. I will go back to my father. I will say. And so we see a man who took a wrong turn, who got detoured, but didn't stay lost. He actually went back to father's house. And that's, that's the great news of the gospel, the redemptive story, is that we can come back home. Uh, sometimes we, we detour willfully, not accidentally, like a Jonah where God says, I want you to go that way, and Jonah gets a ticket to go that way. <laughs> and uh, we can kind of uh, laugh at Jonah, but we all have a bit of Jonah in us. God says, do it this way, and we go, I'm going to do it this way. And uh, we all have a little bit of rebel in our nature. And often when we go our way, it can go pretty well for a while. Just because you're being blessed doesn't mean you're in God's will. Just because life's difficult doesn't mean you're not in God's will. But as Jonah went his own way, it was smooth for a while, but then a storm came up, and you know the story. And sometimes when a storm comes and life's not going well, we can rebuke the storm thinking it's the devil. <laughs> sometimes storms are not from the devil, they're actually from God. So if it's from God, rebuking the storm, probably not the best approach. Sometimes storms are of our own making. We've made decisions and we're the creator of the storm. And the challenge in life is discerning during a stormy patch. Is this God? Is this the devil or is this me? Because storms can come from all three of those sources. For Jonah, it was God sending some rough water to get his attention, to get back on track to where he needed to go in his life. And so maybe if you're honest today, you're, you're a little bit detoured and the response for you this morning is to turn, is to get back on track with your life. And so what's, what's happening for you right now? What, 
What's going on? How are you in your race? Are you going strong? Are you slowing down because of fatigue or uncertainty or lost passion? Have you stopped because of tragedy, failure or discouragement? Or are you detoured? I can tell you I've been in all of these positions sometime in my life. And so that's how I can talk about them. You know, you can be in different positions in different areas of your life. Your work may be going strong, but maybe at home, whoa, things are kind of stopped at the moment. Or, or maybe church is going really well, but hey, hey, in different areas of our life, we can be at different places. The great news is things can change in a moment. And wherever you are today, God's desire for you is to run your race and to finish it really well. That's why the Holy Spirit inspired the author of Hebrews to write this after writing about all the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. He says, and you've got a race to run and God's cheering you on. And so no matter where you are in your race, I can say God's for you. He's wanting you to run well and to finish that race. Uh, the Olympics in 1968 were in Mexico City. And on October the 20th at 7 p.m. in the Olympic Stadium, uh, it's beginning to get dark. And the last of the marathon runners were being assisted away to the first aid stations. And over an hour earlier, Mamo Waldi of Ethiopia, of course, they're always winning the marathon, had charged across the finish line, winning the 26-mile race, looking as strong and as vigorous as when he'd started. Uh, most of the spectators had left the stadium, and suddenly there were sirens in the stadium and whistles around the gate. And the attention of those that remained turned to the gate, and there was this sole figure wearing the colors of Tanzania, uh, limping into the stadium. His name was John Stephen Aquari. He was the last man to finish the marathon in the 68 Olympics. And his leg was bandaged and bloodied. Uh, he had taken a bad fall earlier in the race. and All he could do was limp around the track. And, and, and so those that were left in the stadium stood up and, and started cheering. In fact, we've got a photo of him here. It's just an amateur photo of someone who'd kind of stayed and hung around. It's coming up on the screens now. Th there you can see, notice the stadium's pretty much totally empty. And here's John, Stephen Aquari. See the bandage on his leg? And he's coming into the stadium and he's limping all the way around the final lap. And so those in the stadium that were left, they stood and they were applauding him. And when he crossed the line, someone said to him, you were badly injured. Why didn't you quit? Why didn't you give up? And with quiet dignity, this Young Tanzanian man said, my country did not send me 7,000 miles to start this race. My country sent me to finish this race. Well, well, what an inspiring story. And you may feel a little bit like John. You may feel a little beat up. You may feel like you've stumbled and fallen. Heaven saying to you, God didn't send you to start this life, but to finish it really, really well. Many, many years ago, I came across a poem about a race, and um, it really encouraged me about the ups and downs of my life. And uh, it's a children's race, it happens to be a boys' race, so for all the girls and women here, you'll have to do a little gender translation uh, so that you can see God uh, speaking to you as his daughter and child. But it's a, it's a poem that I think really encapsulates the intent of the Holy Spirit in this scripture we've read in Hebrews 12 about running your race with 
perseverance. And so I'd like to read it to you today. Um, You may find it helpful just to close your eyes so that you can imagine or, or visualize the scene of this race. Quit. Give up. You're beaten, they shout at me and plead. There's just too much against you now. This time, you can't succeed. And as I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race. And hope refills my weakened will as I recall that scene. For just the thought of that short race rejuvenates my being. It was a children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement, sure, but also fear. It wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope. Each thought to win the race or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. Fathers and mothers watched from off the side, cheering for their son. And each boy hoped to show them that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they went, young hearts and hopes afire. To win and be the hero there was each young boy's desire. And one boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running near the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as they speeded down the field across a shallow dip, the little boy who thought to win lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his hands flew out to brace, and amid the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. And so down he fell, and with him hope, he he couldn't win now. Embarrassed, sad, he only wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face, which to the boy so clearly said, get up and win the race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all, and ran with all his mind and might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs and he slipped and fell again. He wished then he'd quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now. I shouldn't try to race. But in the laughing crowd, he searched and found his father's face, that steady look which said again, get up and win the race. And so up he jumped to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm to go gain those yards, he thought, I've got to move real fast. Exerting everything he had, he regained eight or 10, but trying so hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat. He lay there silently, a teardrop from his eye. There's no sense running anymore. Three strikes, I'm out, why try? The will to rise had disappeared. All hope had fled away. So far behind now, so error prone, a failure all the way. I've lost, so what's the use, he thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up, an echo sounded low. Get up and take your place. You are not meant for failure here. Get up and win the race. With borrowed will, get up, it said. You haven't lost at all, for winning is no more than this, to rise each time you fall. And so up he rose to run once more. And with a new commit, he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been. Still he gave it all he had and ran as though to win. Three times he'd fallen, stumbling. Three times he rose again. Too far behind to hope to win. He still ran 
to the end. They cheered the winning runner as he crossed the line first place, head high and proud and happy, no failing, no disgrace. But then the fallen youngster crossed the line last place. The crowd gave him the greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came last with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he'd won the race to listen to the crowd. To his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me, you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. Now when things seem dark and hard and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my race. For all my life, like yours, is like that race with ups and downs and all. And all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. Quit. Give up. You're beaten. They still shout in my face. But another voice within me says, get up and win the race. Father, today I thank you for each person here. I pray that they would understand the amazing love that you have for them. Wherever we are in this journey, this race of life, that they would see your smiling face like that dad in the crowd saying, get up and win the race. Lord, for those that are going strong today, we applaud them, we cheer them. Well done. Keep going strong. Lord, for some that are slowing down today, some that are just exhausted, just tired, Lord, let them see that fill water tank sign and just do what it takes to take a long drink, to refresh, to refuel so that they can run again. Lord, for those that are slowing down because they're a little uncertain, maybe there's an ending coming or maybe something's beginning and it's just all a little bit unfamiliar. Well, that's normal. Let them not feel guilty about that. It's okay to go slow until you get your bearings and they can get running again. Bring comfort, bring clarity. Lord, for those that are going slow, just because they've lost a little passion, life's got a bit routine, just a bit so-so, just here we go again. God, would you just put a fresh passion in their heart? Get up in the morning with a spring in their step, a fresh sense of purpose and a reason to be alive, some meaning to their life that's beyond themselves. Lord, there's people in the room today listening maybe via video or podcasts that their race has stopped. Tragedies come their way. And I just pray for your comfort and your grace. You said weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come with the morning lights. God, let comfort come for grief and those who mourn. Lord, for those who have stopped because they've failed, they've tripped up, they've made mistakes. And Lord, we know the shame, we know the humiliation, we know the embarrassment of, of that happening. And yet you don't shame us. You lift us up. You take away the shame, the guilt, and you give us a fresh start. You're the God of the second chance. And so I pray for those that have failed, Lord, to realize they are not a failure. They may have stumbled, but they can rise again and get running that race you have for them. Lord Jesus, for those who have stopped because of discouragement, maybe battling with depression, sometimes low mood can come in for days, sometimes months, sometimes even years. And Lord, during that time, our, our thinking gets distorted. And so I pray for those struggling with discouragement today that you would help them to look after themselves physically, that you would renew their mind to 
to, to just have a little extra gratitude for the things that are and to see things a little bit more clearly and just to take some baby steps, to do some tasks every day, to, to come out from that and to, Lord, just to see the blue skies and feel the warmth of your sun again. Lord, bless them today. Lord, for those who have detoured, taken a wrong turn, on the wrong road, they know it. And I pray that you'd help them turn around and get back on track. And Lord, I pray here at City Life that we would be a community of people that supports one another in the race of our life. Because all of heaven's cheering us on. All of those that have gone before are cheering us on. And, and, and in a sense, we're not running our race alone. We're running in community. And so I pray we'd be able to reach out to those that are slowing down, reach out to those that have stopped, reach out to those that have detoured. And we'd help one another, Lord, to finish this race that you've set before us, looking to Jesus, filled with your joy and your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I could never read that poem without getting a little teary-eyed, and I prove that again today. Uh, I'd like us to stand together, and uh, uh, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. I wonder if you wouldn't mind just, just putting a, a hand gently on a shoulder of someone, if you know them next, next to you. Just sort of pray for one another right now. Lord, as we're running our journey today, you know the answer each person has to how's my race going. And we just gently put a hand on a shoulder just to say we're not alone. We're not alone. We're, we're running together and we're for each other. Lord, for those that are slowing down, we'd be sensitive. We'd help them as they're just slowing down in their race. For some that have stopped for various reasons, we'd stop and we'd actually get alongside of them. For some that have taken some wrong roads, they wouldn't be alone. Alone. We'd be there to help them get back on track. And so just in these moments, we pray a prayer of blessing, Lord, for each person here today, Lord, to run the race that you've given them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.
Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.